Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Wow, thank you so much for that encouraging welcome. You guys can grab your seats. Yes, I am family. I'm your uh, cool Mr. Miyagi-looking uncle, (laughs) facial hair and everything, and um, I just want to begin this Sunday by declaring my uh, love for Jesus, and um, um, how many people are just grateful for His grace? Come on, just grateful for the breath in your lungs, come on, the food in your belly, come on, the roof over your head, the bed that you laid in last night, come on, the gas in your tank. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals on the rise. Come on, like, I'm just loving Jesus right now. And I um, wanted to acknowledge pastors Brian and Heather. And uh, uh, they're separated by two people right now, but, but they're together always in spirit. And I just love, I love your unity. I love um, your love for each other. Um, I love your love for this city. And, um, and it's amazing how uh, even though you guys weren't born in Cincinnati, God has given you both Cincinnati hearts. And that is encouraging, it's inspiring to see pastors who love to pastor a city. And so I honor you and we as a church, come on, at the 11 a.m., we're going to honor you guys as well. I'm just so grateful for you. And Man, I love Cincinnati. I like me some Cincinnati. I like I like your skyline, like it is really pretty, and the skyline, like that spaghetti stuff with the chili on it, three-way, four-way, five-way, I'm all about it. Um, I had some sky, I've been to Cincinnati one time before this, and they said you have to try the, the skyline, and I did before we flew out, and it was the gift that kept on giving, and um, I actually do have a soft spot for uh, the Bengals, uh, one of uh, my small group boys, a guy named T. Higgins, actually is playing for the Bengals now. That's the reason we're here this weekend. So uh, me and my boy Dre, who also played at Clemson, we're going to go to the game after this and see our, uh, uh, our Bible study boy. And, um, and, uh, and we're trying our hardest to convince him that this is the church he needs to find himself every single Sunday when he's in town. So if you see Big T running, running around, there's love on him, like social distance, but love on him as much as you can. That would be a personal favor to me. Uh, I really do um, love just, uh, Ohio is a sneaky, cool state, all right? Uh, because people are aesthetically pleasing. You know what I'm saying? Like you think that out in the Midwest where you guys never see the sunshine and that kind of stuff, like kind of people will be like, but you're beautiful human beings, like like stunning human beings, but beautiful in soul. And I just love every single time I have an opportunity to come out and uh, party here in Ohio. Those who are looking at me a little strange, a little bit confused, um, I was born in Melbourne, Australia. That's the reason my voice is this way. Uh, My mother and father are Chinese. That's the reason my face is this way. Uh, but now I live in Anderson, South Carolina. That's the reason uh, I have type 2 diabetes. And um, <laughs> get to serve as a teaching pastor at a great church called New Spring. So if you're ever in town, uh, look us up and, and hang out. Um, but uh, this week, uh, it is such an honor and joy and privilege uh, to be able to um, open up God's word and believe that hope is going to rise. That someone's going to get encouraged this week. Can, can, we, can, you just, can you just knit faith with me? And believe that someone's going to leave today with more hope in their heart. Come on, more faith in their soul. Come on, more encouragement in their life. 
That's really, at the end of the day, the reason why we're here today. To let Jesus do what only he can do. Make a difference that no one else can make. And so I'm believing for real encouragement and real hope to rise today. The way that hope and encouragement will rise is we're going to engage a conversation. A conversation that is um, really an elephant in the room right now at the beginning of 2021. Where, Where is Jesus when you've gone through a storm? And it felt like Jesus was just a little quiet. It's so important that we learn how to deal with silence from God. Because the reality is, if you do any kind of journey with Jesus, you're going to go through a period of time where it feels like you know he's good, but you haven't seen his goodness for a while. You know he's strong, but he hasn't flexed for a bit. You know that he wants to be present for you, but it feels like he's gone a little bit quiet. If you're going to do this journey and experience everything that God wants to do in it and through it, we have to learn how to process silence. Because silence not processed properly is disturbing, it's distressing, and eventually for your faith journey, it will become destructive. But here's the good news. Jesus doesn't want to see your life destroyed, but he's come to give you life and life overflowing. So he gives us the word of God and the spirit of God to navigate these seasons where it feels like he's gone quiet in the middle of one of our storms. So that's what we're going to do for 32 minutes. We're going to talk about where Jesus is when he's silent in our storm. And then a keyboardist is going to sneak out here like a little keyboard ninja. Start playing minor chords that create emotion in your heart and response in the room. And then we're going to grab some skyline together. Amen? Amen. Let me pray and we'll jump into this. Dear Jesus, help us learn where you are when it feels like you're silent in our storm. Amen. I remember a season of silence my wife and I experienced a couple of years ago. The storm came in the form of our firstborn child, Caitlin. Now, I'm not going to lie, I came into fatherhood pretty confident. I was a youth communicator at that stage. She was going to be a young person. I felt like we were going to get each other. I read a book. I thought I did anything and everything that one could do to prepare themselves for the rigors of child rearing. And sure enough, for the first six months, it was a walk in the park. It was easy. She ate well. She slept well. She even smiled for pictures. I thought to myself, I should be writing a book. Then something started happening after six months. They didn't stop for two years. At 9 p.m. and then again at 11 p.m. and then again at 1 a.m. and then again at 3 a.m. and then again at 5 a.m., my little baby girl would rise up out of her slumber and begin to cry. I'm not talking about cute baby tears that make you want to take a picture for all posterity. I'm talking about blood-curdling screams that make you want to throw holy water on her and see if something flies out, that kind of crying. So my wife and I found ourselves night after night after night caught in this groundhog day, sitting on this black couch in our living room, crying wife, crying baby, and me nearly crying but not crying because I'm a manly man in the middle of a storm. Sleep deprivation feeling like you were failing as a parent your first time around. And like any good Christian soldier, when you find yourself in a storm, you start crying out to God. 
So I start praying those bold, loud, even theologically incorrect prayers. Oh, Jesus, I, you know, I'll, I'll sell you my soul. Just help me. I can just go to sleep just one night. I'm going, you know, I'll serve you the rest of my days. I'll do it for free. I'm praying my heart out, but it felt like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. You ever had that experience before? You don't doubt he's good because... His goodness was proven once and for all at Calvary. A bloodstained cross booms for all time that he's good. But you haven't felt his goodness for a while. You don't doubt that he's strong. Creation and everything therein declares his strength and his might, but you wouldn't mind seeing his strength and his might a little closer. So we're there and we're in the middle of the storm on this black couch, but our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. So we think to ourselves, you know what? If prayers aren't going to do it, we're going to bring in the word of God. We're going to lean into God's promises. So I pull out my Bible and a concordance. A concordance is just a book with all the references of different words in the Bible. And I found every single verse with the words stillness, silence, peace, shut up. And I start speaking it over my daughter. Start rubbing the Bible on her head but still night after night crying baby in silence in the storm. That silence was distressing, that silence was disturbing. And as weeks turned into months, that silence started to become destructive. So we thought to ourselves, okay, if the prayer isn't going to do it and the word of God isn't going to do it, we're going to pull out the really big guns. We're going to pull worship music into this deal. So there's a worship leader from Australia called Darlene Check, and she wrote a song called Shout to the Lord. So she's shouting to the Lord and at my baby for a couple of months. So Darlene is singing. I'm rubbing the Bible on my baby's head. I'm praying these crazy prayers, but night after night, same spot, same situation, nothing changed. Silence in the storm. I thought to myself, okay, if Darlene can't sort this out, I'm going to really have to pull out the big guns. I'm going to bring Joyce Meyer into the mix. So I turn on Christian TV. Joyce Meyer is preaching. Darlene is singing. I'm rubbing the Bible on her head. I'm praying these crazy prayers, but still no shift, no change, and nothing but silence in our storm. Now, because we're a part of a faith community throughout this ordeal, there are segments of every faith community who will remain nameless women who will come forward with advice on how to get your baby to go to sleep. There was a beautiful old Chinese lady who told me what I needed to do was to get some boiling Chinese tea and pour it on my daughter's back. What would happen is a black hair would grow out. I needed to shave that hair off and my baby girl would go to sleep. So here I am in the middle of the night. Joyce is preaching. Darlene is singing. I'm rubbing the Bible on her head. I'm praying these crazy prayers. The kettle is boiling because that's how you get When you find yourself in an ordeal, when you find yourself in the midst of pain, when you find yourself in the midst of a storm, and it feels like God is a million miles away. And before you white people get on your like kind of, you know, child-rearing high horses, there were some crazy Caucasian remedies too. (laughs) I had this older lady come and tell me what I needed to do was to wrap my baby in a towel really tightly and put her on a washing machine and turn the washing machine on. There's a lady here who's actually going, sir, that works. Um, and the rocking motion would make my baby think she was in the womb again and she would go to sleep. So here I am in the middle of the night. Joyce is preaching. Darlene is singing. I'm rubbing the Bible on her head. I'm praying these crazy prayers. The kettle is boiling and my baby is on the washing machine because that's how you get. When you find yourself in the middle of a storm, your life is rocked. The fear is crashing like waves continuously into your boat. 
and Jesus is a little quiet. Now, the reality is there are many people here in this room who have never experienced the pain of sleep deprivation or that consistent, continual, crushing feeling like you're failing at a job you're meant to be able to do. But I know that even though a lot of you haven't experienced this particular experience, everyone here in this room who's done any kind of walk with Jesus has experienced a season where it feels like the storm brewed and the storm hit, you cried out to God, but he didn't move as quick as you feel comfortable with. How about that financial storm last year? Like, you know, everything kind of got a little weird, everything got a little crazy, and kind of is a little bit of a stimulus, but that kind of ran out really quick, and, and the reality is right now, you've gone backwards in your finances. And what's really annoying is that you're doing everything right by the book. You're still giving, you're still sowing, you're still tithing, you're still claiming him as Jehovah Jireh, clap your provider, you're doing everything right. And whereas everyone around you seems to be doing well, for some reason you've gone backwards and you've asked this question in the quiet of your soul, Jesus, where are you in the middle of this financial storm? I was up last night sitting at my table looking at my bills, just trying to make ends meet, but these ends are running away from one another. Jesus, where is your goodness in this financial storm? How about those business storms? There's some people here in this room who are on the verge of folding and and you're doing everything right by the book. You're still believing for God and trusting in his promises. You're going to men's and women's business breakfasts and you're kind of declaring scripture over your, your work. But for some reason, instead of going forward, you're going backwards. Where is Jesus in the midst of my business storm? How about those relational storms? There are some families here who are on the verge of splitting and and you have teenagers in your households who are becoming more and more the prodigal son and daughter every single week. And what really bugs you, there are some mothers and fathers here in this room who know other mothers and fathers and they seem to be growing closer with their teenagers. But for you, your experience is that they are going further and further away. You turn towards heaven and you ask the question, why won't you care for my kid like you care for theirs where are you in the middle of my family storm how about those marriage storms 2020 has been so difficult for so many people who haven't spent that much time together and you thought getting married would be checking into a field full of flowers where you get to frolic forever but the reality is you stepped into world war three and you're going wow I don't know if I'm gonna make it And what really bugs you is you've seen redemption and healing in other people's relationships and their marriages and and you're not seeing it for yours and you ask that question in the quiet of your soul. You don't boom it on a Sunday, you don't wear a t-shirt declaring it, but you do ask it quietly. Hey, Jesus, wouldn't mind a little bit of help here, but you've gone quiet in the middle of my marriage storm. How How about those singleness storms? I know that everyone tells you, hey, it's a season and you've got to embrace it and make the most of it. And pastor's going to do a four-week series every single year, you know, pumping up my ties. But the reality is I would like someone to complete me. You know, right now there are some young ladies here in this room who are going, you know, I don't even need Mr. Right. You know, Mr. Close Enough is going to work out just fine. 
And what really annoys you is you're doing everything right by the book. Like I'm staying pure, I'm staying holy, I'm in the Bible, kind of dating Jesus in the meantime, just waiting for Mr. Right to come along, kind of half Edward, half Jacob, loves his Bible, kind of. That's an old Twilight reference for people a little older. And we laugh now, but some people weren't laughing last night as they spent another Saturday night alone. And they go, man, Jesus, I'm so excited about my friends getting married and moving on with their life. But I feel a little overlooked. Where are you in the middle of that storm? How about those health storms? That sickness, that illness, that disease, that disability. And we know that Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, still heals today. And we've seen the stories cut into those beautiful videos that we watch on a Sunday morning. But sometimes we ask ourselves that question, hey, you know what, when do I get to tell my story? When does that ailment go away? When do I get to praise God for it? Where is Jesus in the middle of my health storm? The reality is every single person who's going to be brave enough and bold enough take a deep breath and step out onto the waters with Jesus will feel seasons where it feels like Jesus is just a little quiet. But here's the good news. You find yourself at a church It isn't just about playing religious games. Getting together on a Sunday morning, doing some Jesus karaoke, sitting through a priestly pep talk, hugging and high-fiving on the way out. No, this is a church with leaders who are real shepherds. Come on. Who want to help people move from where they are to where God will have them be. And we're going to talk about, come on, real seasons that everyone faces. And we're going to, with total faith, point you to the Scriptures And declare loudly and clearly that God wants to give us answers and insight into all of these questions that riddle our soul. So what I want to do for my last 19 minutes and 15 seconds with you is I would love to turn to the scriptures and have a look at a story in the Bible where Jesus went silent in the middle of a storm. And I want to make some observations from this story but then shape them into faith declarations so that if you are going through one of these seasons now, if you've been through one of these seasons and you've been affected, or one day when you find yourself in one of these seasons, come on, you have something to stand on, you have something to hold to, you have something to carry you forward. So if you have your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of Mark chapter 4? If you didn't bring a Bible, if you don't own one, it's all good. I installed a giant Jesus iPad last night. And the words will be up on the screen, I'm guessing. Are they? Yes, they will be. Okay. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, a time when Jesus went quiet in the storm, as clear as a siren. Ringing through the cool Cincinnati air on a Sunday morning, Jesus speaks and lets us know where he is when it feels like he's quiet in the storm. Verse 35, the Bible says, That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. 
A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. They nearly sunk. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. (sighs) The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I love this story because I see myself in this story. I'm like one of these disciples. I'm just trying to get from point A through to point B and stick close to Jesus. And here you find the disciples hanging out with Jesus and Jesus is trying to lead them to the other side of a lake and he tells them to get into a boat. Just as a bonus kind of point for you to write down, you need to understand that sometimes bad things happen to good people. We need to break this paganistic, erroneous thinking that says that if something bad is happening, God is angry. If something good happens, it means that God chose to smile that day. No, the disciples were led by Jesus to get into the boat, to sail into a storm. Sometimes rough waters will be the experience of people who have done absolutely nothing wrong. And so here they are, they're cruising across the lake. All of a sudden, a furious squall, a massive storm brews and hits. These young men, most of whom were raised in the Sea of Galilee as fishermen, had seen storms before. They had seen weather patterns before, but this was so unrelenting. This one was so intense. They thought, this is it, we're going under. Hug, high five, this is it, I'll see you on the other side. The waves would break into the boat continually. That word in the Greek would break into the boat. Was a, it's, it's the, it means that it's unrelenting. It's not stopping. It feels like I just caught my breath and I got hit by another wave. Come on, you felt that before? And the whole way through this episode, Jesus is out the back sleeping on a cushion. He's out like a light. In a deep state of NREM, dream producing sleep, he is out and seemingly disconnected from their plight. And the disciples asked the question we've all asked at some point. Hey, Jesus, I know you're good, but where's your goodness now? Jesus, I know you're strong, but flex for me. Jesus, do you care if we drown? Our world seems like it's on fire. Society seems like it's falling apart. Our culture is split down the middle. Jesus, things aren't going well down here. Do you care if we go under? And then by his grace and for his glory, in God's time, Jesus wakes up, turns to the wind, turns to the waves, says, quiet, be still, creation is calmed, revelation is revealed, but more about that later. I want to know where was Jesus. No, I want to know where is Jesus when it feels like he's gone to sleep in the middle of our storm. If you're writing down notes, I would love you to pull out your leather-bound journals right now and your pens. If you have an iPhone or an iPod or an iPad, you can pull that out. Find the note app. Thank the Lord Jesus for a wonderful piece of technology you have right there. If you have one of those Samsung or kind of Google devices, you can put it away. I've got nothing for you from this point on in the message. (laughs) Where is Jesus when it feels like he's gone quiet? Number one, he's still in your boat. He is still in your boat. The Bible says there in verse 35... They took him along, verse 36, sorry, they took him along just as he was in the 
boat. If you don't get anything else out of this Sunday, I hope and pray you walk away with this, that Jesus is still in your boat. It's been a rough year, but he's still in your boat. Hey, the storm has been unrelenting, but he's still in your boat. Come on, you're drenched from that storm, but he is still in your boat. Come on, you might be right on the edge of bankruptcy, but he is still in your boat. You might be struggling to find work, but he is still in your boat. You might have experienced death and loss this year, but he is still in your boat. He doesn't leave. He doesn't forsake. When the going gets hot, Jesus doesn't get going. There isn't some kind of angel trapdoor that he slipped out of when everything got dramatic for his disciples. No, he remained in the boat. And that's where he is right now. He is still in your boat. Financial storm in your boat. Business storm in your boat. Relational storm in your boat. Family storm in your boat. Health storm in your boat. As the rain drenched the disciples, the rain was drenching Jesus. As the waves tossed the disciples, the waves were tossing Jesus. As the sea was threatening the disciples, the sea was threatening Jesus. If that boat capsized and the disciples would have to make a swim for shore, Jesus too would have capsized and would have to make a swim slash walk for shore because Jesus was still in the boat. Come and smile behind those masks. That's good news. He hasn't left. He hasn't forsaken. In fact, it was this very truth that won my heart to King Jesus 25 years ago as a freshman in college. As a young guy, not really brought up religious, most of my family have more of an, uh, an Eastern religious background, um, but basically growing up in Australia, I was interested in like spirituality and the God honest truth is I believe that all religions were effectively the same, heading to the same like kind of destination, just with a slightly different flavor. You know, depending on what part of the earth you were born in, you would either lean this way or that way, but basically we will all end up in the same place. I remember meeting someone, uh, he, he was to become uh, the guy who led me to the Lord, my first youth pastor. And uh, he started reaching out to me because I started chasing this pretty blonde girl who looked great in jeans, who became my wife that I'm still married to 22 years later. Uh, but um, uh, I started going along to this youth group chasing this girl. The youth pastor took a liking. And I basically started sharing with him, hey, I've got no issue with Jesus. I just think he's the same as everyone else. And I remember him, him telling me, you know, no, 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 Christianity is different than every other world religion. Every other world religion is about you living a certain way to get you out of this place. Christianity is all about a God who was so loving that he got into our place. And he comes into this earth, he steps into our brokenness, and he doesn't leave. Religion is about you doing things to get to God. The gospel and the Christian message is about everything that God went through to get to you. Smile. This is really good news. He's still in your boat. Not only is he still in your boat, number two, you can write this one down or tattoo this on your, tattoo this on your leg. He is still in control. Jesus is still in control. 
How do I know this? Because the Bible tells us in verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Now, I can understand why some people think Jesus sleeping is evidence of him not caring. That's a relatively nonchalant way to respond to your disciples feeling like they're going to die. Jesus, you slept because you didn't care. But the Bible makes it clear that God would demonstrate his love for us in this, that whilst we're still sinners running in the other direction, Jesus died for us. Or in other words, a blood-stained cross proves once and for all how God feels about us. He loves us. He cares. So logically, we must conclude that if he slept, he didn't sleep because he didn't love us. He slept for another reason. And I would propose to you that he slept because he wasn't stressed. He was sleeping like a baby. Well, your baby, not mine. And why wasn't he stressed? Because he was still in control. Colossians chapter 1 reminds us that he is Jesus, the firstborn over all creation, through whom everything was made, for whom everything was made, in whom everything is held together. He's literally the glue of the universe. Every element, every ion, every particle, everything in this universe is held together by the nature of Jesus. With Jesus, the world is held together. Without Jesus, everything would discombobulate and blow apart. He holds the world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands, literally. He's in control. And how do you freak out when rain falls on you, when you invented rain? What kind of threat can a sea be when you made the sea? He was in total and absolute control. He knew how the whole deal was going to play out. And if the disciples had paid closer attention, they would have heard the ending too. Because earlier in the story, Jesus says to his disciples, hey, let us go over to the other side. He didn't say, hmm, today looks like a beautiful day to go into the middle of the lake to drown. He said, we're going, come on, to the other side. Someone here in this room needs to receive that by faith. That no matter what storm you're going through right now, you're getting to the other side. Come on, no matter how dark the night, you're getting to the other side. Come on, no matter how bleak the situation, come on, you're getting to the other side. Come on, how painful the betrayal, you're getting to the other side. He doesn't slip. He doesn't lose grip. He is in total and absolute control. Circumstances, situations, death, pain, loss, all try to hijack your narrative. None of them will be successful as the writer, the director, the producer of this movie is Jesus Christ alone. He is still in control. Thirdly and lastly, you can write this one down. Not only is Jesus still in your boat, he's still in control. But thirdly, you've got to understand, he still gets the final say. He still gets the final say. I love the way this episode comes to an end. The disciples are all freaking out and they're going, wow, this is it. We're going under. No one wants to wake Jesus up because Jesus had raised someone from the dead the week before and they surmise, yo, he could probably do the opposite. So I'm not trying to mess with the master while he's like kind of be sleeping. So, but, but they're arguing, hey, someone needs to wake Jesus up. I would have, I, this is how I imagine the conversation. Hey, someone needs to wake Jesus up. Hey, Simon Peter, you should say something. You're always shooting your mouth off anyway. And Simon Peter goes, yeah, he called me Satan last week. I don't want to push it. He's like going, all right, well, you know, 
Thomas, you, say, you should say something. Well, I doubt he'll listen to me. That's my dad joke for the day. Hey, Judas, you should say something. I don't know. He always looks at me funny. And so like, they're all like arguing about waking Jesus up. Eventually, someone wakes Jesus up. And the Bible says he turns to the wind and he turns to the waves and he says, quiet, be still. And creation is calmed. Come on, with just one word, creation is calmed. With just one word, peace rises. With just one word, the impossible becomes the done. Come on, with just one word, that which seemed so far away was brought right into their midst. That's the power, come on, of Jesus' words. I'm an argumentative kind of person if you couldn't pick it. Um, And one of my pet peeves when it comes to an argument are people who, when you're kind of going back and forth, you know, you're thrusting, you're parrying, you're going back and forth with an intellectual conversation, and they always feel like to try to cut it all short, they go, well, at the end of the day, no, you have no right to declare at the end of the day, this, that, no, you know, when all is said and done, I hate the people who say this, you know, um, you know uh, well, when it all kind of is said, it boils down to, no, I hate it when people think that they have the right to have the final say when they don't. <laughs> Jesus alone does. So I can let you know right now, if you're in the middle of a storm and you haven't seen his goodness and his glory yet, your story isn't done yet. Because Jesus, amen, come on, gets the final say. If the story ain't good yet, it means the story ain't done. Because Jesus gets the final say. I just feel in my spirit, someone here in this room needs to get their faith stirred again. Maybe a season of silence has rattled some people in this room, has actually caused some people to forget the strength and the might and the goodness of God and how powerful his words are. I'm going to take you to Sunday school for 30 seconds. This is our Jesus strong enough to create the heavens and the earth in six days and still give us a day off to watch NFL football on a Sunday. Come on, this is our Jesus, strong enough to bring forth the nation of Israel through a pensioner and his barren wife. Come on, this is our Jesus, who is strong enough to split the Red Sea with nothing but a stick and a gust of wind. Come on, this is our Jesus, who can bring down the walls of Jericho with nothing but a song and a shout. Come on, this is our Jesus, who can bring down the giant Goliath with nothing but a sling and a stone. Come on, this is our Jesus who can close the mouth of the lion, open the eyes of the blind, heal the sick, raise the dead, birth the church. Come on, he saved your crazy life. This is our Jesus. And he is just as strong as he has ever been. And my friend, he is going to get the last word on your storm. Sickness does not get the last word. Loss does not get the last word. Pain does not get the last word. Betrayal does not get the last word. Viruses do not get the last word. Death doesn't even get the last word. Jesus gets the last word. Would you boom a loud amen through your mask right now? Come on, amen. So here we are at the beginning of a new journey, 2021. I'm just thinking back like one year ago, the things I was preaching about 6365. It's going to be the year of your life with 2020 vision. We're going to (laughs) see. And then March. (laughs) 
But I'm telling you, I saw more of myself than I ever seen before. Saw more of my family, some more of society. Maybe God keeps all of his promises. He just kind of, kind of like delivers a little differently than we expect. We're here at the beginning of 2021. We launch into an uncertain year again. But is there anyone with me who's going to hold on to faith? He's still in my boat. He's still in control. And he will get the final say. I wish I could wrap this message up with a really neat, beautiful breakthrough miracle story. A tie a bow on it. I wish I could tell you that my baby girl went to sleep after an angelic, like, you know, appearance. Like we're there in the middle of the night and we're crying. And then this angel bursts through the ceiling and places a coal in my daughter's mouth and declares you will preach the gospel to the nations. That's the reason you won't be quiet right now. It didn't happen. My little baby girl went to sleep because she got really tired. But fear not, my wife and I have been smart enough to make another one to pick up exactly where his sister has left off. So here we are again, this time with a crying wife and a crying baby boy, and me nearly crying but still not crying because I'm a manly man. And it feels like a little bit of silence in a storm. But there's a difference this time. I remember one night we're sitting there on the couch, and Krista, exhausted but still stunning, she turns to me. She says, sweetheart, we're going to be okay because Jesus is still in our boat. And I said, you're right, babe. I knew that because I taught you that. <laughs> the story may not have really gone that way, but... I'm not an old man. Uh, and these Asian genes are really working for me as well. But I've been around this earth long enough to know that this side of eternity will have its fair share of storms. But in everyone, you can hold firm, knowing. He's still in your boat. He's still in control. And Jesus always gets the final say. Come on, can you feel hope rising? Come on, can you feel encouragement stirring? He's still in your boat. In my last minute with you, I like to do two simple things. Number one, I would love to give an opportunity to someone here to do the most amazing thing you can do at the beginning of a new year. And that is to trust their life into the hands of King Jesus. That's all Christianity is. Christianity is inviting Jesus to be the captain, the leader of your boat. Christianity isn't a litany of rules and regulations that must be observed. Christianity isn't about jumping through religious hoops or clearing legalistic bars. It's all about recognizing that God loves you and comes to find you where you are. And when you open up your heart to Him, He not only enters, but He comes with life. And life to the full life eternal and so there's someone here this afternoon who's saying you know what Dan I've been around church for a while but I've never really opened up my life to, for him to be the leader there are some people who are new to this whole church experience 
And you just know, you just know, you just know because over the last 34 minutes, you feel like God's been speaking to you. That you need to trust your life into His hands. So with every eye closed and every heart open, I just want to ask you one simple question. Would you make Jesus the Lord and the leader of your life if He isn't right now? I'm going to count to three. I'm going to get you to lift your hand. And after you lift your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer that heaven will hear that will change everything. But if you're here right now and you know that Jesus isn't the leader of your life, when I count to three, lift your hand and make him your leader. Are we ready? One, two, three. Just lift your hand where you are. See your hand? That is so cool. I see your hand there as well. I see your hand there as well. So cool. Hey, let's just pray this prayer out loud all together, especially if you lifted your hand. Let's do it. Dear Jesus, come on, we can do better than that. Come on, Queen City. Let's go. Dear Jesus, I trust my life into your hands. Be my leader and Lord. Help me by your spirit. Live now for your glory. Amen. Can you put your hands together for the people who lifted theirs? So cool. So, so cool. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople. 